This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 132. Well, hi, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your co-host, Kelly Hurst. And we're both marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is still designed to help you take your marriage to the next level, right? That's right. (laughs) Well, today's episode is called Marriage Surprises. Uh, Recently read an article from Dave Harvey, and it got my attention. Uh, He's a guy who's been married for over 30 years, like we have, and he wrote about some of the things that genuinely surprised him over time about marriage and thought he made some great points. So here are some of those. We're we're just going to walk through them. One was what he calls the sin surprise. He says, engagement is like walking through an amusement park with fogged up glasses. There's so much you don't see clearly But hey, who really cares? You're having fun. We see that all the time. We see couples that are in the what we've always called the chemical fog, and they tend to maybe not see things clearly. He said fogged up glasses, you know, rose-colored glasses. We're not seeing our capacity to hurt one another, to disappoint one another, to deceive one another even at times. And over the long course of a marriage, We have that capacity. When you love someone with your whole heart and the other person loves you with their whole heart, the capacity is both for good and bad. And so we say a lot, love is a risk. And when you're all in, you're going to have the capacity to hurt each other and which is hard to think intellectually, like this person loves me, I love him, we're not going to hurt each other. Yeah, you are, because mm-hmm. you're human beings and you're broken and you're triggered and all these things. So the ability to manipulate or to deceive or to just hurt, oftentimes not on purpose. Usually not. Usually not on purpose. Right. But But it's there. And I think understanding that without being completely shocked by it. I mean, when we hurt each other, it's going to hurt because uh-huh. we're just, you know, human beings. Flesh but, and blood. Yeah. Right. But that that's a that's a biggie, I think. Yeah, it is. So it gets down to that basic understanding that we all have that sin nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, another surprise is the conflict surprise. Um, he says, learning how to manage conflict is one of the most important parts of a harmonious marriage. We certainly agree with that. And many couples don't learn to do this, learn how to do this before their wedding day. I I would say most couples don't learn how to do it exceedingly well because uh, for one thing, you run into all different kinds of conflict over the course of a lifelong marriage that you had never even thought about before. Yeah. I'm usually grateful when we're working with engaged couples who've already been together for a good amount of time. And they've already had conflict. And they've already had a good amount of conflict. It's it's the ones who are very kind of new in the relationship and they're planning a wedding. 
that I kind of wonder, have you already walked that conflict road enough? Right. <laughs> because it's going to be surprised. Now, I think there's couples that are low conflict style mm-hmm. couples and couples who are high conflict style couples. That just boils down more to personality and such. But the idea of conflict, how you cannot put two people together and ask them to share their life together without them disagreeing and seeing different things, which is what we usually define conflict as. Yeah, right. Rather um, than just being disagreeable. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like you said, it's two people seeing different things. Yeah. And the conflict piece is enormous. I mean, of course, we've done shows, you know, about just that. Mm-hmm. But the conflict, it, no one, well, maybe there are some people who enjoy conflict. I am not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like conflict. I don't like being disagreeable with people. I don't like not having peace, you know, and all of that. Some people kind of thrive on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not anything wrong with that. But the conflict piece for me has been a learning curve of realizing that's where the growth is. Right. And I don't like it. Right. But we just don't typically grow in good times. Right. We grow in the hard times. And you get to the other side of having been through a few struggles of conflict, then you've built those muscles up and you've got you're more equipped than you were before. Mm -hmm. Another surprise is what he calls the slow change surprise. You know, we live in a world that values instant gratification. We've talked about this for years, how human beings tend to change very slowly. We often want our spouses to to change, to improve overnight, but real change happens on this steady continuum, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? It's just one of the many ways that marriage teaches us patience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we have tune-ups with couples and there's you know, we'll, we'll typically give them kind of action steps to work on. And we usually check in with them at about three weeks post or and three months after and so forth. And usually, and we'll tell them, you know, tell, be honest and tell us how everything's going. If nothing has improved, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite thing to hear response-wise is when someone will say, well, I wouldn't say it's changed a lot, but I notice him trying or I notice her trying to change. That's, I'm like, okay, there's progress there. Mm-hmm. And if you can just be patient enough for the ship to turn around, right? that's really, really big. Yeah, no, I agree. And just to clarify again, what a marriage tune-up is, those are 90-minute mm-hmm. sessions. 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 Yeah, exactly. Uh, that uh, we do in person or we can do online. So mm-hmm. that's really available to anybody that would even be listening to this, no matter where you are. Yeah. Uh, another surprise is the sex surprise. Oh, that's a big one. Sounds wonderful to me, but... <laughs> surprise, sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the article says you may be surprised that the marriage bed requires so much assembly. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. So much commitment, so much work. You know, we get married thinking our sex lives are going to be like some Hollywood movie, but a healthy sex life, it's comprehensive. I mean, and Includes navigating things, different stages, the ups and downs of it, frankly, you know, Mm -hmm. things like physical pain or inhibitions or uh, working through past sexual shame or difficulty finding a rhythm, varying degrees of desire, you know, in both parties and all that kind of thing. It's a dance. It's enormous. And And I really do think that couples... This may be the most surprising one. I don't know. It would be hard to rank these, but 
I think this is, you know, we always say ad nauseum, money and sex are the two hot button issues in marriage, and they're also the least talked about. Mm-hmm. And so the sex thing is, you know, I, I guess if people could realize, you know, it's less like a Hollywood movie and more like you're on a lifetime journey together and your sex life will change with the seasons. Uh-huh. And I guess if you can be prepared for that, maybe that's a leg up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not that it's not pleasurable. It's great when it's healthy and so mm-hmm. forth. But, uh, but, but it's, it's just not going to be what you, or even what you start out maybe being. Although some couples, you know, they start out and their sex life isn't great and right. they've got to figure that out. But for some couples, they start out and it is great and it's easy and it's, you know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to be, you know, when you're young and right. <laughs> you just fall into bed and, you know, whatever. Right. But if you can at least grasp that at some point, the busyness of life, children, all of that is going to take its toll a little bit. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, it's um, that, that long, long haul uh, mm-hmm. is, and again, we were talking about conflict earlier, that the struggle of working through some of these hard things related to sex is also potentially going to build true deeper intimacy between the two of you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be better than what Hollywood or, other images portray what what sex is about. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that kind of makes me think, I've, I've often thought, you know, a good sex life improves the marriage relationship. Right. But I also think it's the other way around. I do too. Because when you have to negotiate and work and learn different things and be patient with each other. Right. In making your sex life better. Right then that improves the relationship. I don't know. Maybe that's too subtle of a <laughs> shift. No, but, but I, I think it's also what we've said several times before too, is that our culture has tended to separate sex and marriage and, yeah. and put them on different tracks when they were always intended to be on the same track. Yeah. And so you're right. One helps the other both mm-hmm. ways. Well, the next surprise he mentions is uh, the parents and in-laws surprise. He says, marriage shuffles your relational network and no one feels it more than your parents. Mm. So we would say leaving and cleaving is imperative. It's very important that you start this new enterprise, this new family, not not to dishonor your families of origin in in any way whatsoever. What a blessing to have. A uh, great relationship with your family of origin, but that leaving and cleaving is not always easy. The physical act of of leaving might happen immediately. You know, maybe you moved right away to a different town, state, country, but the emotional part might take some time to play out. And so, you just have to keep in your mind that marriage means the start of a new family, a, a new system. Yeah, your loyalties shift a little. Mm -hmm. And again, as you said, it's not that you're disrespecting or dishonoring your parents, but at some point your parents had to do the same thing and their parents had to do the same thing. Right. You know, but it's hard when your your grown kids go off and do the same thing. That's a hard shift for parents. So I think young couples can be sensitive to that, but at the same time, they have to build this new system. Right. And I just want to say that just this comes up a whole lot with us with younger couples mm-hmm. that if one spouse is particularly enmeshed with their family of origin, and again, having a great 
history with your family of origin, wow, what a blessing. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. But if it's superseding the closeness and the priority of this new relationship, you know, the other spouse may go along with it because maybe they were told that this is just how it's going to be and I'm mm-hmm. always going to be close to my family and that kind of thing. And they're they're agreeable to it. But over time, it could build some resentment, could build some things that maybe aren't being truthfully talked about. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. The, the last one we want to talk about, the last surprise is forgiveness is a costly surprise. No, that forgiveness is costly, that it costs something to forgive. I think that is, he was trying to say that that is a surprise, that we think of forgiveness as being like, oh, sure, I forgive you. But when you're hurt and angry, you know, to forgive someone, you have to you have to commit to that sometimes, particularly if the offense is really, you know, big. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking infidelity or, you know, lying or cheating or something like that. Forgiving is costly. It's it's not an easy thing. And it's sometimes, you know, we, we call it kind of $1, $1 offenses, offenses million-dollar offenses, right. you know. It's easy to go, sure, I, we're sorry, I forgive you, da-da-da-da, for $1 right. offenses. Right. Million-dollar offenses are another thing. They They can take time to forgive. I mean- where you're every day having to sort of recommit to forgiving somebody. Right, right. So what we're saying is that forgiveness is much more challenging. Yeah. And takes more work and focus than than just Gilly on Saturday Night Live saying, sorry. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he, he quotes C.S. Lewis and said, because C.S. Lewis said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea uh-huh. until they have something to forgive. Yeah, then they realize they've got to roll their sleeves up and do <laughs> yeah. this do this well. I wonder why it's hard. Why why do you think it's hard to forgive, especially if we've been legitimately hurt? Yeah, well, lots of reasons. Self-protection, you know, like you said, if we've been hurt, then we our natural tendency is to put in place certain protective devices to make sure that we're not going to experience that pain again. Yeah. Some of that is logical, Uh but it's not helpful. Yeah. You know, but also I think another thing at play is we don't want to lean into at times what God wants us to do. We want to default to what we want to do and our own will supersedes his will, frankly. Yeah, because forgiveness takes so much humility. And I think oftentimes, again, talking about the bigger offenses, the more hurtful offenses, we're afraid that forgiveness means we're condoning behavior. Right. Well, if I forgive him... Then it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it didn't then that really means hurt it me. didn't really bother me or hurt me. And no, that's not what it means at all. Right. It actually, I mean, there are people who say, you know, when you forgive, you let yourself off the hook right. from having to hold on to this resentment. That's easier said than, you know, when you're when you're having to walk it out, it's, it can be very difficult. Right. Well, when Christ died for our sins, he wasn't negating the, the reality right. of all the transgressions that mm-hmm. were ever done against God in the past, in the present, or in the future yet to come. Yeah. To the contrary, he was paying for it himself with yeah. himself, yeah. Uh, acknowledging that those things really did and do happen. And he's always our model 
of right. all things. You know, and when he said in scripture, when someone asked him, how many times do I need to forgive? Mm-hmm. And he said, 70 times seven. Uh, I always think, well, how much? How many is that? What is that? 400 and whatever. 490. You know, in marriage, you'll get way more opportunities than 400 in <laughs> yeah, a long-term marriage, at least. Exactly. Um, but the idea was he was saying, you just keep doing it. Right. You know, there, there's not a magic number. In marriage, we're just going to hurt each other sometimes. And I think that raises a question that some people might say, well, well, really, how do I do that then? If, if what you're talking about is impossible. Yeah. I mean, how do I really just sweep these things under the rug and... and well, and I think that's the difference. That's understanding what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Uh-huh. I think we did a show about this actually once where saying that forgiveness doesn't mean you don't speak the truth. It right. doesn't mean you condone behavior, particularly habitual behavior that you're like, hey, I keep having to forgive this thing over and over yeah. and over. Let's what, let's talk about the behavior. Yeah, what's you know? going on here? Um, but to sweep something under the rug is not forgiveness. Right, right. And really has nothing to do with that. Right. So- Yeah, that's denial. <laughs> yeah, that's just acting, that's avoiding. Right. Forgiveness is engaging, mm-hmm. but you're saying that we can move forward right. together if I forgive. But even going further with that, you know, some people will say, okay, well, I hear what you're saying. How do I, I can't do that. Yeah. How, how do I do that? What we're talking about, what we're suggesting here is impossible. Yeah. Except that God gives us the capacity to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? To right. do to do this kind of stuff, what yeah. we're really talking about here, to forgive somebody for all of this hurt and to acknowledge all these transgressions against us. You know, like well, they really did hurt me. Yeah. They really did cheat on me. They really did deceive me. Whatever it is, what you're asking me to do, I don't think I have the capacity to do. Mm-hmm. But through Christ, all things are possible. Yeah. And the bottom line of it is always... I can forgive because I've been forgiven. Right. If I've been forgiven, I can forgive. Right. So we may not feel the forgivey vibes. Right. Right. <laughs> but we are equipped as believers to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And and just like all other marriage tools that we would talk about, this super important one of forgiveness, even even with the power given us, you know, because of what Christ accomplished. This is just something you practice. Mm-hmm. This is just something you develop and you nurture and you get in the habit of doing yeah. and you just get better and better at it over time. Well, and and part of the the process is learning to look at our partner with the Imago Dei mindset mm-hmm. that even my spouse who has hurt me mm-hmm. is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm is worthy of forgiveness. Well, not worthy of forgiveness in the sense that theologically, we're not really worthy of forgiveness. Right. But because Christ lovingly bestowed that, right. that is our model. Right. We have that availability. That's right. All, all people have and that availability. And we are commanded in Scripture to forgive. We're right. even to forgive our enemies. Our spouse is not our enemy. Right. Hopefully. Um, we're asked to love our enemies. Right. So our spouse, yeah. And even, you know, because I, 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 I know probably we'll have people who say, yeah, but my spouse cheated on me or whatever, and you I'm not understand. really required. 
and you know, that's biblical grounds for divorce and all mm-hmm. of that. Okay, that that's kind of a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is biblical grounds for divorce, but what we what we always say is it doesn't mean you have to divorce. Right. It doesn't mean but you should. Here's the point I was trying to make is that even if you did divorce, mm-hmm. you can still forgive the person. Right, right. That's true too. So even if the relationship ends, right, you can still forgive the transgression and and the hurt and the pain. Right. And what we do know, just to kind of sum up a lot of what we've been saying, is that God gives us the capacity to do far more than we think we have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In our in our own humanness solely, yep. we can't do all these things we're talking about. Right. But with God, we can do things far beyond we would ever expect. Yeah. No, and, that's and there's great results from that. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely our own spiritual growths. Yeah. Well, that was a good Thank article. Thank you, Dave I Harvey, thought, for yeah, the good article. I thought it was good. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And uh, if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. You just go to homeencouragement.org, click the donate button, and bada bing, bada boom, you're helping us. Any amount will uh, help us move things down the line. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we just really appreciate that you listen to us and are connected with us. So thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.